Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with uh, Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order, which we've kind of abandoned over the net last few episodes um, as we're tackling these uh, manga side stories. And we'll probably do that for the next few episodes as well. Um, this week we are doing the Universal Century Hard Graph manga. And we have uh, Scotty with us. So I bought this Bumblebee toy. He's light blue instead of yellow. And it was a concert exclusive. It cost me like $135. The thing's maybe three and a half inches tall when transformed into robot mode. And it's for, it was only sold at concerts for the band Bump of Chicken, which kind of sounds like Bump of Cocaine, except it's chicken and not cocaine. And I, uh, I was like, wow, this is one of the dumber exclusives I've ever bought. And it comes with like a tiny version of the band members <clears throat> that turns into a head. And uh, then I realized I actually did know one of their songs or a couple. They've done some of the openings and endings for the Grand Blue Fantasy anime. I, I mispronounced that horribly. Grand Blue. That's harder to say out loud than I thought. And they've been around for a while because I think um, one of their members actually went to the college I went to in Japan. Oh, wow. And we have uh, Luke. I'm still working on why, on on what that story was about, but uh, it's interesting, Scotty. It's about I, absolutely nothing. I, I, I kind of want to see it now, but anyway. Yeah, so we're doing Hard Graph and Lost War Chronicles, if I'm not mistaken, right? We're going to do uh, Lost War in the next episode. Uh, I we're conveniently recording right after this episode. I overprepared. Um, it's fine. <laughs> no, that's in the future. That's not tonight. It's definitely not in, in like an hour. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that makes sense chronologically. Because you see hard graph. We're at the start of the war for like five pages before going straight to August, like most one-year war material does. Yeah, so um, Hard Graph is kind of like a side story of um, episode 14 of Mobile Suit Gundam where um, they're on Earth and um, I don't think they've gone to Odessa yet. They're kind of not quite. Yeah, they're they're traveling around and um, this is where... uh, that they attack these group of little Xeon soldiers that we, we see flying around on these little, um, I forget the name off of the, I have them. Wappas. Yeah. The Wappas. Yep. They, they basically put all these little mines on it, on, on the Gundam and um, forget to set it up and, or set it off. And, uh, the whole, like a third of the episode is, uh, Amaro taking them off before it blows up and kills them. Um, so yeah, it's about the crew that does that. And they seem, you know, in the, in the anime, they're like a nice group of like fun, fun guys from Xeon that are interesting to watch. And in the, uh, in the manga, they are too, except they're about 20 years younger. <laughs> yeah. it, it seems that way, except even, even when it gets to the point where it happens, uh, where the episode happens, they definitely look like different people. <laughs> they, they I mean, are. We're talking like what forty years of different, thirty-five years of difference between them being drawn. So I mean, eh, fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, 
I thought it was kind of interesting too, because it was focusing on these dudes riding on the Wapas. And I, and I don't recall them showing up more than once or twice in this entire universe. Scotty would be the person to correct me on that. No, not very much, but they did make model kits for UC hard graph and they're basically miniatures. Yeah. I was, I was doing some like just perusing of the internet. It looks like the hard graph series was kind of made to, get some of those guys that were not quite into the gun plus scene, but into like the, um, the armored models type of yeah, stuff. Yeah. The military model scene to, to get, get into some of this stuff. Yeah. And you got some other kits in that line. Like you can get the little humanoid figures of Rombo Rawl and Haman and yeah, their, their whole little platoon. Um, and there's lots of, like this gave them excuses to make things like the main battle tank and the crappy stuff that was not actually a Gundam. This was a way for them to introduce those. And like you said, try to expand their market into, you know, like the miniature gaming scene and whatnot. Although there wasn't a game attached in this case. The, the uh, EFGF's M61A5 battle tank that everyone is super excited about. Or the Type 74 hover something or other. I don't, I don't fucking know. There's a wrestling storyline right now that they retconned that this dude fucked his wife in a tank at WrestleMania. <laughs> the fuck? And, um, I dig it. Yeah, and I heard the, these, <laughs> these gunpla are... are <laughs> that had the intended effect. You fucked Wayne's right now. <laughs> These gunpla are, are the older style that you have to like do a lot of painting and stuff, but so it kind of fits into that like older, like hard, more hardcore, like model set. Um, I just can't. I mean, I Quaron fucking somebody in a tank right now is all I'm thinking of. <laughs> oh, that um, yeah, it would be Aries. <laughs> So, so this follows the the nine hundred eighth mobile reconnaissance oh. unit. Oh, just to make a note, it's Koran CPO Koran from original series, not Koran from Unicorn. I didn't realize there was a Koran in Unicorn. Yes, he's full frontal's royal guard. One of them, at least. Oh, is it the creepy guy that follows? The guy with the long blonde hair that stands in the background creepily. Yeah. Oh, what the. Oh, Angelo is the his uh, his boyfriend with uh-huh. the nice tank. Yep, that's the only one I remember is Angelo. Yeah, yeah he's the other guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, the, you have uh, Chief Petty Officer Quaron. You have Gial, who is the lone Zaku pilot of the unit, and then you have um, Soul, who is kind of like their intelligence officer. So in the dub, they pronounce his name Saul. And it's it sounds a lot like Saw Guerrero from Star Wars, but he did get a little bit of the L at the end. Mm, yeah, okay. Mm. So the manga starts off in, in March. You kind of see these guys at the initial uh, staging area. That It's like the initial invasion of, of Earth. Um, they're one of the first units that are there. They're in Central Asia. Um, and it kind of... The manga kind of explains, and I, and this is one of the reasons I actually kind of like some of the stuff about this manga. The whole manga itself is, we'll discuss this more towards the end, but um, you get kind of more like information about how the war happens and what goes on there. So essentially, Zion lands and they just 
they're able to take a ton of land really quickly. And then their defenses got weakened because they spread out too quickly. They weren't able to like fill all of those holes with all of the, you know, the troops. So essentially they took out a bunch of land and then they had to defend it. And wow, it's harder than it looks again, more allusions to Germany and world war two. So who's, who's surprised about that? Um, so, um, yeah, so we get to see Izaku get captured, and Quaran's unit was sent to uh, find and observe it, and another unit will recapture. Because, again, they're just a recon unit. They're they're sent to basically run around and, like, do all, like, the, the sneaking and the, the finding, but they're not really a battle unit. Because, again, they only have one Zaku, and then they have a bunch of, basically, motorcycles with, like, weapons attached to them. Yeah, this is part of Xeon's Earth ground forces, and because they landed in like the third drop operation, they are not loaded to the teeth with mobile suits. And also, there aren't a ton of mobile suits in service on Earth for Xeon because the Federation doesn't have them, and mobile suits are made for space combat. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a major point that um, that they have at this point is... And it's one of the reasons that uh, Xeon's able to expand so quickly is because, you know, the Earth does not have mobile suits right now. So they're they're basically fighting tank warfare and, you know, rocket launchers and, and traditional infantry. So, like, they're just getting blown apart by these heavily armored Zakus at this point. Um, but, yeah, so you kind of get a, a feel for Quaran's unit. They're... they're they're kind of gung-ho more than a lot of the other units are. Um, and they just, you know, they're told, hey, just do recon. But they're like, nah, we, we can save this guy, right? So let's let's go in and rescue him. Um, so they try that. And uh, it doesn't work out too well for them. <laughs> they find out this guy wasn't captured. He surrendered. Um, yeah, and it was kind of interesting the whole time. They're like, all right, we're going to get you out of here. He's like, nah, I'm good. They're like, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna save you. He's like, no, no, I'm I'm all set. You should probably leave. <laughs> yeah, and and this just sets another precedent for him. So like, <laughs> the the commander after all all this th- stuff is done, like the pilot tries to escape from them and all this stuff. They get he gets blown up. I think um, their their commander is like pissed off at him. Is it's basically like, well, the only reason I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to punish you is because if they find out what happens, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> so he's basically like, or she's basically like, uh, yeah, this, no, this didn't happen. We can't, we, we can't announce that the pilot surrendered to, to the feds. Yeah. So one of the things that we did kind of jump over a little bit and talking about the characters. So there are some that are in this third platoon unit that we're following during the manga that were not in the anime. One of them is Tia Frostel, who is clearly the like flirtatious, somewhat romantic interest where nothing ever happens because that's what we have to have in all these stories, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Lieutenant Cameron, which is a suspicious name. Why is it suspicious? Do you know there are other characters in Gundam with the last name of Cameron? There's a common name, I think. Well, maybe, but anyway, I, so I think that is. Um, I don't know if she is a, a. I think it's some relation to the Cameron that we see on side six. 
Yeah, Bloom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they never spell it out. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll learn later on, and I'll just go ahead and cover it because this isn't, like, part of the main plot, really. But, uh, you know, we learn that... Well, actually, we learn from some early dialogue between uh, Corin and Saul that she is this, like, space-noid elite, or at least her family is considered that. And they're like, why the hell is she in command of our like platoon on an earth drop operation. And you learn that her father was part of the Daikun faction eventually. Yeah. I remember taking some notes on that and, and it was weird to me that um, because it seemed they, they had the Daikun faction in a negative connotation, which is weird to me considering like the Zabi family was supposedly part of the Daikun faction because they had spe- spe- spelled out the, Zabi faction, the Daikun faction, and the Raw faction. And like Origin, it was basically the Zabi faction and the Raw faction. And the Zabi faction was like the uh, inheritor at all of the Daikun faction because Daikun died. But not really. So Rawl, the Raw family was the true idealistic successor to the Daikun faction. Sure. Right, and and a lot of so what they do in these sto- in a lot of these stories, and we're actually going to see this in the uh, in the next podcast episode as well, uh, where whenever they have Zeon characters as protagonists, they really like to make sure that you know that they were definitely Daikun faction, because that would mean they are like, you know, at least philosophically opposed to the zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did. I remember thinking about that a lot. It's it's a good good point that you bring up there because uh when i watched the original show and and like even red origins and stuff like that they they're always the nazis to me right and i think that was the original intent and then as we start reading these side stories that are focused on zeon characters they're like wait 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 wait, but these aren't the bad nazis (laughs) these are the good nazis these are the world war one germans (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so um Basically, all right. Yeah, actually, that was my next note was the difference between the zombie factions and the raw factions and the the the. Um, Look at that! It's like a psychic segue. Yeah, maybe um, I knew type flashed into your notes. Yeah, you did. It's true. I gotta say, I've been watching, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of random anime as of late, and I've seen probably four or five shows with new type flashes in them in the past. I'm going to say three days. <laughs> hmm. That's pretty cool. Which, which ones I have to, you have to tell, you can't say that and not tell us some of them. Uh, let's see off of the top of my head. I'm watching Orasuki right now. And that had one in it. Um, what else was I watching? Um, uh, I, th- what, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, I thought, I, I thought I asked to be average in my, in my next life. Something like that. You've heard of that one. Anyway, I could get I can get a list for you, Scotty. Don't worry. Uh, you don't have to. I was just curious. <laughs> I expect you to watch them all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, Quaran is in an area that's getting attacked by the Federation. So they've launched basically a counterattack at this point um, to to kind of push back against the uh, Zeon lines. Um, one of the Zaku's that's in the area gets blown up. And um, Koran runs into a injured female Federation soldier. And um, they kind of have like a Mexican standoff, except she's about to pass out. 
Um, so she does pass out, and he uh, patches her up because that's what you do in war. Um, As our protagonist, he is uh, opposed to killing, even if it's the enemy. Yeah, yeah, we get that in the next series too. Which most, most of them, most, yeah. most of them. Um, so yeah, the Xeon forces are they get Quaron's um, emergency call. Uh, but there's the battle still going on, and so they essentially decide they can't rescue him. Did I skip a chapter? I did skip a chapter. Multiple. I not only skipped one chapter. Or well, no. I'm riding off in the sunset, and they're like, "Those guys are cool." No, anyway, you, <laughs> you skipped chapters two, three, and most of four. I did. So let's yeah. go back to two. <laughs> I was just sitting here going. Wow, did I really not have to read all this? It's going to be a quick episode, guys. And we're done. Thanks, guys. Yeah, chapter two. Um, let's talk about the booby trap. Uh, cargo container. Yeah. So they find a cargo container. but they Well, so they get this supply. Sorry, they get this load of supplies. And they're like, wow, there's not very much here. And it's just another example of Xeon being stretched thin. And then you, they learn uh, that. It was so like the, a left behind Federation supply container that they were like, yeah. oh, we can we can go sweep in and take this. Yeah, exactly. So they they decide to go and do that. Now, while Corin is discussing with Saul that they're going to do this, he's on the toilet. And. <laughs> He is. Yeah, he is. I remember. Yeah. And you learn that he is actually using the reserved officer's toilet. And so, um, you know, he, he leaves and then Cameron is also just on the toilet and she's like, it's not okay. It's not all right. to make up for it. I found it quite interesting that she like kicks the door open with her pants around her ankles. Like you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. A little bit, a uh, little bit bombastic bombastic of a commanding officer. Um, and then you get some characterization for Tia. She likes ants that it's really just an excuse for them to have a pervy scene where she's like, you know, bent over looking at the ground with her ass in the air. But why are you on the ground like that? Uh, ants. Yeah. But we, we do get to see, um, the, the Federation, so the the feds launch an attack onto a Xeon held city, um, and they get into uniform to escape the city. Um, they get into the Xeon uniform to escape the city, and this is we get a we get a note about the Antarctic Treaty here, and and this is actually this actually like leads back to episode fourteen as well because we see that the, the Xeon guys have uh, at the end of the episode they have their own. Um, civilian clothes that they're traveling around into. So this kind of gives like a reason for them to be dressing up in, in civilian clothes. Cause the Federation guys are driving around in civilian clothes for a lot of this. Um, so Quaron here over here is in a bar that these guys are basically like talking out loud that, that something is um, uh, a bomb is in this, this. Uh, no. no, he bribes that bartender for the info. No, they were, they were straight up saying it. But to to like even know to pay attention. To oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, bartender, and I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. I just want to point out that we learned from that stupid scene with Tia that in colonies they have uh, was it insectariums? Yeah, 
I mean, I I, go to one. I thought that was kind of interesting world building. That's all. Uh, carry on. Yeah, because they don't have natural animals there, so like they have to import everything. And I guess some of them are like more useful than others. I would I would guess. But you know that means there's some guy whose entire job is like, all right, go get ants. <laughs> yeah. We're going to fly you to Earth, and you're going to bring back a shitload of ants. But yeah, so um, in the process of finding out all this information, the, the feds launch an attack on the city um, from the inside. And as they're trying to escape the city, they, they put on Xeon uniforms. And you find out that if you're in uniform, everybody has to follow the Antarctic Treaty because we've, as we've seen through series, throughout series that cover the one-year war, the Antarctic Treaty is the one thing, it's the one ring that binds us all. <laughs> Keep the Antarctic Treaty in your hearts. <laughs> um, so yeah, Quaron is able to get to the transport in time and, uh, and, and warn everybody and save Saul as he is trying to dislodge the last container. So essentially, like, he gets on his hoppa and like they, he signals them and they drop all the containers, but the one that has the bomb is, is lodged into the um, escape chute and it gets the cargo net gets attached. So Saul's like trying to um, cut it off. And he, as, as he's cutting it off, he uh, falls out and um, Quaron leaps into the air with his hoppa and uh, save Saul and the thing blows up and they're mostly uninjured. Yeah. And the, the whole point of this was a couple of things. One, it's character building for their relationship because he's kind of only even goes in that direction on a hunch. And it, it's that whole flashback to how his hunches about him are correct. And it, you get to see a scene of them training and they were like, it, this is back when you, know, you see Quran and Gial discussing rebels speech. So it jumps way back just to kind of show some of their history uh, and then also the main reason for this is that you know, so that he can save Saul, Corrin is pushing the WAPA beyond its limits, essentially. Uh, but, we, you know, we learned that in the very, very early exposition, you know, he says to Tia, he's decided he's going to die on one of these Mustangs, which is where the Iron Mustang subtitle comes from for it. And like this is his weapon of choice or his vehicle of choice, if you will. Like this is this is his jam. He likes these for some reason. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. I'd take one. I feel like it's the equivalent of, you know, the Zaku is like your tank, and then that's like a horse. Yeah, like an actual horse. I, I would take the. I would take the tank. <laughs> I would take a Zaku too. Zaku tank. Um. All right, so so now I think we're about where I uh, jumped ahead to where not, not quite. You're, I'm not, but I'm not surprised you don't give a crap about chapter four because this is nothing but uh, character building and moments like that. That's probably true. Yeah, it's the whole thing with the comfort core. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was. I wasn't impressed. Had we previously established that there was a comfort core? No, but. It's funny because at the start of Mobile Suit Gundam episode 14, which immediately follows most of this manga, there is a magician performing and they're all booing him. And I feel like this gives some extra context to that. 
They're like, oh man, this is the really lame comfort core. It's just that one magician from Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> so, um, and he's not banging any of the soldiers that we know. This of. reminded me of uh, uh, G Rico, like Rikinki Sinji, like right, like right in the first maybe episode. Um, all of the like cheerleaders, like they were like the equivalent of the comfort core in my head. And I criminally underrated series, by the way, I really liked that one. Um, but I definitely was having big flashes to that. And I was kind of thinking maybe that's where that idea came from. Yeah, it could be, it could be, but yeah, the, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say one of the comfort core, uh, people is also, uh, Lieutenant Cameron's sister. Yes. Yep. So that's the, that's the real reason that you kind of have them introduced, um, but, you know, you've also got, for some reason, Cameron is trying to seduce Tia. I don't know why. She's trying to get her drunk. I and mean, he's a soldier. He probably hasn't gotten laid in a while. What's that? She's he's a soldier and probably hasn't gotten laid in a while. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Cam- Cameron's a woman. And she's oh, Tia. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the other scene where um, Quaran was trying to, to bang the other comfort girl. Well, so this is a parallel, right? No, yeah, I mean seriously. between the various uh, the various attempted bangings. Yeah. yeah no, no one succeeds. All right? Like yeah. Cameron's sister shows up. Can't do that now. Cameron was like, "No, no, just drink, just drink this. Uh, I I I'm I'm underage. I really don't want to. No, just just drink it. Just drink." It. It's just juice. <laughs> but I'm 14, which makes those ass shots even worse. Yeah, well. Um cells, unfortunately. Yeah. So then you see Cameron, excuse me, Corin, who was talking to Cameron and then leaves. And then you see he like gets to the show just as this performer kind of starts to play an eulogy. You get a flashback of him remembering his parents. And then so that kind of makes him again want to leave there. And so he's going outside and he gets stopped by this performer, introduces herself as Aries. And she's like, oh, thank you. Like, you saved us. Basically we were able to get through and get through here safely. And Corin's like, all right, we're going to go see the stars. And he's basically like, Oh, cool. Get some action. When lines. Yeah. And the, the funny part here to me was that as I'm reading these characters, I, I, I mean, and just the way that characters are drawn in anime and manga, it's very, very hard to gauge their age uh, when they're just drawn like adults in general from ages like 16 up through 50. So yeah. anyhow, it's kind of just funny because he, we talked about them all failing at their attempted hookups and he kind of like, you know, is being like flirty and hugs her when they get to the top of this hill to stargaze. And, and you know, he says, like asks her her age and she's like, Oh, I'm 19. And I had in my notes like, Oh, that's good. This will end well. But then, then the next time you kind of see him, he's got his head down on a table talking to Tia. Who's also got her head down on the table and, He's like, oh, yeah, she was older than I was. Wasn't really interested in me. She said, uh, I wasn't really an object of romantic interest. So she's she's too old for him. Um, and we already mentioned how he's like aged 15 years younger. So let's just let's just say like anime Quran, who's like 40 uh, and a 19 year old girl who is too old for him. Mm. Mm. Also. Also, anime Quran, who is fat. Just throwing that out there. He lost 40 pounds between the manga and the show, or gain, I guess gained it. Yeah. But now look, there is, this is late August. Okay. 
the episode of the show, I think, is around mid-October. War changes a person. Uh, quickly. <laughs> very quickly, apparently. When you're when you're surrounded and you start have to have fight Gundams, you just you eat a lot. You gain weight <laughs> when you're low on supplies and in a war. That's definitely what happens. It's true. Um, okay, yeah. So fast forward to some of the stuff I was talking about. Uh, Quran gets in the fight in the city, um, kind of gets stranded, uh, has a Mexican standoff with this Federation female soldier. Um, they. She passes out. He patches her up, and they're like, "Ah, she's she's you know, um, very similar to other characters we've seen when they get stranded in space together and make bad decisions together." Um, so yeah, uh, say, this Federation officer does not make bad decisions. She's trying to nope out of there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. She she yeah. She's at least like let's not. She she at least doesn't like beg to bang. Right. Um, this, yeah, this is definitely not a uh, uh, zero eight that MS team. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, tries to kill herself with a flare gun. That'll that'll do it. Multiple <laughs> ways. It's like I'm going to put it to my head. He's like, that won't do anything. And then she like shoves it in her mouth. And he's like, he's like, like, trying to do what you wanted to do. <laughs> I really, like, really enjoyed that part. Uh, like, despite my moderate distaste for this and uh, for this manga i actually really enjoyed that part <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was just funny he's like yeah you'll eventually die if you put it in your mouth like that but it'll be slow and painful so does does she show up anywhere later i don't i was trying to see if there was a connection and maybe there's a connection down the road in one of the stories that i haven't read um because there is some stuff uh, oh Wait, no, not this one. I'm thinking no. So yeah, I have no idea if this is supposed to be anyone, but not I don't there. remember her ever showing up again. Yeah, in this or other things that I've read. Yeah, no, I don't either. Maybe just leaving an opening. You never know. Someone might need to tell us what happens on September. Uh, we'll go with September 12th. Yeah, I'll take I think it. this is September. This happens on 9/11, actually. Now that I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, we do see, uh, so the Xeon forces are, are fighting, so they're not able to save Quran quite yet. Um, and we do get to see a quick flash at the very end of chapter four, before we go into volume two of, uh, of OG Gundam is, has been sighted and you see a little, um, Oh, is it a gun tank in the side of the picture as well? Yeah, see Gundam and gun tank. So now Federation has their mobile suits. And we're getting closer and closer to episode 14 time. Yeah. And if you somehow are reading this in print, because you must you would know Japanese in that case and have bought an import copy, this is the end of the first volume. Yep. So uh Moving into volume two, the <laughs> the chick wakes up and tries to kill him, and uh, he beats her unconscious with a rock. <laughs> I, you know that you make that sound different than it was. He chucked a rock. Yeah, it's her head. Yeah, he he threw that because she's trying to shoot a flare. No, this is a real gun now. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she had like one hidden in her her shoe or something. 
or she stole his or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he knocked her unconscious with a rock right after he saved her again. Um, yeah. And this is while he's trying to repair his WAPA. He's like trying to scavenge other, um, other things that are in the area. Um, and we find out that she lives, she lived in Australia, um, where the colony drop happened. Um, so she's like, she hates Zeon and him by, um, extension. Uh, yeah. And this is where she, she, yeah. Yeah. This is where she tries to kill herself a half a dozen times with a a flare gun. Um, and Quaron's like, yeah, that'll just hurt. Whatever. (laughs) But what she ends up doing points it at him, shoots at him. And he's like, ah, Hey, don't shoot that at me. It's really hot. And, I mean, like temperature-wise, and uh, the smoke from that ends up alerting like a Federation patrol. Yep, yep. And I think the Zeon soldier, Zeon sees it too, right? No, they don't. Do they. So they were already on the way. Yeah. To they had already been dispatched to yeah. go find Corin. Well, um, dispatched. Well, right. They weren't really supposed to. They're supposed to be. Um, they know that the Feds are organizing an offensive on their lines and they're really supposed to be dealing with that. And they're like, well, we could spare a couple units to go look for this one guy. That, yeah. that becomes a point later. So, yeah. So Quran gets rescued. Um, and we kind of go to another scene now where he's going out with his unit and they see a giant ship. Um, and you don't like, as I was writing this, I didn't have a good, a lot of good context, but my first note was, is that white base? And yes, yes, it is white base as far as I can tell. Right. It's not white base. No, it's just a land battleship. Okay. I just thought like maybe they had some continuity with that based off of the pictures with the Gundam and everything. No, it's too early for white base to be in that area. Okay. Um, White base would still be on the North American front at this point. Even in origin, they'd still be on the North American front. Um, uh, Garma doesn't die until early October. And, and in fact, they may still be in space. Mm. No way. Well, I'm, they I, wouldn't I, be on uh, space because they have those pictures. Right. Yes, yes, you're correct. I was, yeah, I was about to correct myself there. Um, but yeah, they they would not be where these guys are. Yeah. So, um so yeah, the the second platoon gets back together, um, and they launch an attack. They, they launch an attack on the battleship, um, and they encounter a lot more resistance than they're expecting. There's landmines, landmines here, there, and everywhere. I actually get to see a pretty like neat series of like combat cells here. Um, we don't get a ton of like really good action in this manga, so like. This is one of the few that like you get a, a little bit here and there. Um, yeah, but yeah, this, so essentially their their unit gets wiped out and um, Zeon loses one of their battleships uh, in this battle. Um, we see Lieutenant Cameron being stripped of command for sending uh, people to find Quran. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Those guys that went and saved him, they were not supposed to be there. Um, so the new guy gets put in charge of their unit. Um, and this is where we see the uh, Garma speech by Giran. Right? Well, 
Yeah, now that we skipped three more chapters, but it's fine. Three chapters? Um, I don't have any notes between they uh, encounter resistance well, landmines. You actually, you did summarize it, just very, very high level. But I think the key, the only, really, the only key thing I think that's worth pointing out is that before that battle, you do get uh, Koran telling his crew chief to increase the Wapa's output. Yeah, and then you also find out afterwards he's been able to by about twenty percent. And he's really like trying to talk the guy into like, can you make it fly? Yeah. And yeah. He's like, um, well, probably not, but I'll see what I can do. And so, so he increases it to, uh, now it's a super WAPA. And now it's just still just a WAPA. Yeah. There's like long strings of this manga where there's just not a lot going on. Um, and this is probably the biggest strand of it. That was just like a lot of action, lots of things blowing up and like, like a few lines of dialogue here and there, but nothing like super substantive. But yeah, you were right. Note to self: I get podcasters do not care about character-driven side stories. All right, got it. So uh, I, you know, it's not that I, it's not that I dislike character-driven stuff. It just uh, I felt like this was two volumes and should have been one. Yeah, well, and that's what I mean. It's like there's just like a handful of lines between like a lot of scenes of battle. And the lines, while like, yeah, you're right, that things happen. It's just like super minor in the grand scheme of things. Like, but it's not minor either, you know? Like, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Well, you can't make one year war stories that matter. <laughs> like, you're not, you, you, you start to change the, the plot. I mean, I like- origin where you just get to redo stuff. It's true. I like focusing on the different little aspects and it's just, I was kind of going to leave this for the end, but um, I feel like every time, like the more of these that we produce, it kind of feels like every character that ever popped up on the original show is getting a side story and it's gets a little unnecessary at some point. And I think, I think you made it, I think you're exactly right. Like you can't do a whole lot without changing stuff. Right. Yeah. So they get they they show the guys or I'm sorry they show Lieutenant Cameron as part of this the Gundam and the gun cannon pictures uh, that 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 they showed at the end of um, Volume One so she kind of has this knowledge even though it's kind of secret so as as her last action act action and order as the captain of or the lieutenant of her unit she basically says listen I want you guys to have a mock battle with the Zaku. And, you know, try to beat it, like do everything you can. So like they have a few different like uh, platoons within her unit that go and fight. The first one fails and then the and then Quarans goes and they do this thing where they, you know, they're basically surrounding it with the Hoppas or the Wapas. And um, they put put the uh, adhesive explosives on the Zaku and certain key like less armored points and yada, 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 and, and, and that's that. Um, but yeah, it shows, it's basically the strategy that they uh, will execute during uh, episode 14 of, uh, of Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah, there is a, a basically a one-to-one matched shot. It's where the Zaku is going over that hill, and the Wapas are waiting out of view, it's like a little bit of a drop off. Not a, it's not a trench, but it's that like drop off of a hill instead of a rolling hill. Almost looks maybe cut out, 
and it's jumping over that line of WAPAs, and it is a it is a direct homage to precisely what Amaro does when they are able to surround him and get the plastic actual armed in that case, plastic explosives on there. The funny part here is because it's a mock battle, you know, before Cameron determines that the second platoon has taken down the Zaku, you know, to see if they actually win because the prize is you get to get drunk. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, Gial, you know, she says, Hey, would you be able to discharge those in, you know, that because I don't remember what time they said that, you know, they would have put on them or whatnot. But, you know, she says, would you have been able to discharge those in time before they went off? And he says, and this is just kind of a, a I think, funny. He says, unless you know a way to stop time, that's impossible. And given Amaro's new type abilities, I thought. And the, and the name of that episode is Time Be Still. It, it was a yeah. joke with layers that I enjoyed. Yeah. I, uh didn't catch that and I'm glad you told me that because I, I do like that. So the the last chapter kind of like follows on to this. So like the last chapter is is a time jump, right? So like this happens somewhat like maybe like a, a, a week a few weeks before or whatever. We don't get an exact like date on this before the the attack on on the Gundam happens. And the last chapter is basically a debriefing of the battle after that. Yeah. So the, the chapter 12 ends with them saying, you know, talking about the Federation mobile suit and they say it could pass through as early as tomorrow. And so you take that as, and, and the way that they're sitting uh, at the base uh, around, like, you know, they're sitting on boxes, like around a table. That's exactly how they're sitting at the start of episode 14. Mm-hmm. So you can guess that this, that like last couple of pages of chapter 12 are the day before um, that episode. And then you see episode 14, um, which is, you know, we've already described what happens there. I think most people remember that one. If you've watched the series as a whole, because this is one of those that was ultimately like in the movie, this episode gets condensed down to Amaro being awkward about Matilda. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. They completely cut this unit out because yeah, they were the monster of the week, but yeah. you know, they were just, like Amaro at the end just thinks they're just some cool Earth Bros. I mean, they were they were quirk they're a quirky unit, and that shows through in this manga a little bit. Um, yeah, so uh, they kind of talk about it, and um, and and it turns out again they they talk about why he failed. They set a thirty minute timer on these things, and they had no remote detonators, so they didn't really learn their lesson from the mock battle with Zaku, even though they yeah. tried the exact same thing. Although they did succeed in machine gunning one of them, and it blew the gun yeah. shield in half. Of course, the the purpose of that was to make you, as the viewer of the episode, believe these are actually a threat to the Gundam. Yeah, and given the mushroom cloud that goes off when him and Kai like dump them, yeah, in that jeep. I, they start laughing. I was going to be, or they be like, "Whoops, they were nukes." <laughs> Oops. Uh, no. Amaro and Kai, nuclear weapon yeah. war survivors. Yeah, so that's pretty much the the that's pretty much UC hard graph. Um, so the I did have a question on the epilogue because you get the epilogue chapter that is after mm-hmm. episode fourteen, and so. Uh, Corin is being debriefed. Well, so first you see them continuing to drive off and they're, you know, kind of 
poking fun at one another's banter that was directed at Amaro kind of joking because, you know, one of them was like, Oh, or, Hey, Federation guy in that cool white uniform. Are you the pilot of that? <laughs> and, you know, they're kind of joking. Like that wasn't a cool white uniform. Why would you say that? Ha ha ha. But after all of that, uh, Corn's being debriefed and he's kind of worried that he's in trouble, but you find out that it's actually uh, part of Xeon Naval command that is very interested in the strategy that he employed. Right. And uh, what I could not find was if the like the naval commander that he's talking to or whomever it is, officer, looked really familiar, but I couldn't find. Now, granted, the difference in art between this and the show. It's way different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, so I didn't know if you guys knew maybe who that was because the way they the way that one of those panels gets framed, I feel like I was supposed to recognize who that was. But you mean like the one where it shows his chin or whatever? Maybe, yeah, something like that. I just yeah. look. I yeah, mean, no. I did some quick googling. I, I couldn't find anything. It, it may be nothing, but anyhow, and then it ends with that wonderful happy ending where you learn they're getting reassigned to Odessa. Yay! Oh boy, <laughs> Odessa. Yeah. So, um, oh boy, Odessa. So, what what did you guys think? Let's start with you, Luke, because I know you have some hard feelings about this one. Not so much hard feelings. It just uh, I started I started touching touching on this. Like it f- should have been one volume, not two volumes, in my opinion. Um, I, I like learning more about these characters, but I I, I don't want to spend you know three weeks reading about CPO Koran. You know, uh, I mean, it was it was it was all right. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I just. I feel like they kind of jumped into him, like telling stories about him without really making me care about him. And I didn't care about him that much from episode 14. So I, that that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like I enjoyed it. Should have been shorter. Probably wouldn't read it again. <laughs> Scotty. I, I thought it was cool. I really liked it. I liked it enough the first time that I thought we should do it for the show. So I'm sorry. But no, no, no. I, I enjoy learning more about it. It just, it should, I felt like it could have been a little shorter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that it took the time to, I think if you condense this down to one volume, then all you're doing is reenacting the episode again. And it's fair. Don't know if anyone actually needs that. And there's so much, that, you know, the things that it covers, it's nice to have that other additional context, but there's a lot of other stuff that gives similar kinds of context. So uh, I, I just kind of enjoyed, you know, like you said, Lane, in that episode, they're portrayed as kind of a quirky group. They're some of the only Xeon soldiers, especially early on in the series, that aren't portrayed as just total dicks. And so I think it's, I think it would be, uh, I think it's understandable that someone would watch that episode and then say, huh, you know, I wonder like, let their imagination roam on it. Wonder what the deal was with those guys. How did they, why are they like that? You know, why are they laughing about their failure when Amaro disarms everything? And then kind of running with that and fleshing that out and, 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 you know, uh, having them having the opportunity to tell that story and put that, you know, to this manga is uh, pretty cool. Um, 
it, one of the things that Luke you said was that you don't need to have a side story about every last character that was in the original series, and and I agree. Uh, I think when stuff does that too much, or you know, I think of like when Star Wars, like they're they're the worst at going too far with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then you learn that's why that guy said that one thing in the cantina that one time. You just had to sit through two hours of crap to learn. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I don't feel like this goes into that because it's just prequel stuff and, and world building. and See, and, and that's the thing. I, I really appreciated all of the, the world build, building context and all the little bits and pieces that we got from it. Like, uh, like we talked a lot about like the insectariums and stuff. Like I really liked that kind of stuff. Um, but I just, I just didn't feel like they made me care about Koran enough at first. And then by the time they got really into the meat of it, I should have already really cared, like been invested in him. And I wasn't, I don't know. You don't, it takes a little while because at first he just seems like a guy with a death wish. Like he yeah. wants to be on a WAPA instead of being in a Zaku or something like that. Yeah. But then you, you know, kind of learn how much, you see a lot of like teamwork here because he really cares about his subordinates and you, you know, eventually like they show with his rescue, well, they really care about him too. And, you know, he has legit grief when that, you know, the, we didn't talk about them going to the top of that hill with the radio. Um, oh yeah. You know, and that guy getting... blown up during the attack. Right. Yep. And, but he's even still, when those bombs are coming down, pushes those mercenary guys out of the way. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. Like, so I like, I really like the, the story itself. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool to see like what these guys were thinking and feeling in there. There's especially with like the situation they were put in with like being spread too thin, but still having like a actual like technological advantage over the Federation. Um, I, if it were me, I would like to see that, like this have a little bit more context earlier about building these characters up a little bit. And I would actually be interested in seeing like what they do in Odessa, like if they survive, like what, what goes on with these guys, you know, like they're that interesting of a unit that, you know, it, if they made this a little bit more like lighthearted it would be fun to follow these guys around, and even if they did ultimately meet like some darker fate or whatever. Um, it's I could I could see this like being like, well, they went to Odessa and then like, <laughs> then they followed like the Zeon remnants back to Earth and then they fucked up there, too, you know, like that kind of thing. Where like, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. The context I got from it because the whole everything up until the epilogue and they get reassigned. It's talking about how Corrin was the man that would encounter the Gundam. Yeah. And almost defeat it. Um, well, they, that I don't even, I think they may imply that, but yeah, you, you just know he's going to encounter the Gundam. And then when it shows them getting reassigned to Odessa, the sort of uh, overarching narration is Odessa's where a lot of people die. Oh yeah, definitely. No, yeah, no, so, I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. And and that whole panel is just showing like just things blown up and yeah. like smoking. So like no, the 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 inference is that they all died. Right. Yeah. Well um, and in the prologue the prologue uh chapter, which I have to put in air quotes because 
it's not very much at all. It's two, three pages pretty much basically saying like coming soon this, but the main like splash page there is a, like a, a overgrown, like long, long ago wrecked, rusted out WAPA. Yeah. So the the context to me was they go to Odessa and get smoked like everyone else from Zion just about. Yeah. No, no, I I agree with you as that is what happened. I, I was just saying like, as far as like, if they were to build onto these guys a little bit more, I would have maybe had a little bit more, I don't know, investment into the story. But I mean, I thought it was good for what it was. I, I, you know, especially I read this and then I went and watched the episode again. I was like, you know, it, it kind of like made me. You cared a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. If I was going to do a rewatch, these little side stories would probably really um, enrich the original story for me. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was neat. Um, but yeah, it, it was short. And if you've got like a few hours on a weekend sometime and you can find a copy of it, go read it. Yep. Just uh, it has not been officially released in America, but you know, search engines. There's the Googles. Yep. It's uh, something you can certainly find if you need to. And if when they do release it, it's only two volumes anyway. So. Yeah. It'll cost you 20 bucks. This is one that I would hope they would just put out as like one single hardcover. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Now, did this get, um, this is going to jump in a little bit into our content for the next episode, but several of these side stories were released in, or I should say re-released under like new branded volumes that were uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Rebellion. Do you know? Do we know if this is one of those, or did that only start with Lost War Chronicles? I don't know because I don't think I don't think the site that I was looking at had like you you had sent me that one site earlier today that had like some of the stuff broken down with like the alternate titles and stuff like that. The one site I was able to find this one on did not have that, so I I didn't quite see. The, oh wait, you did send? Yeah, maybe there is. You say it was on Rebellion? Yeah, they no. have like... Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We don't, because they don't put stuff like this out here yeah. anymore. That sucks. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this episode. Um, thanks for checking in. Next episode, we will touch on lost war chronicles is another short one um so i thought we were doing magical instant blaster mary duh what about mad wang 1160 that's my pseudonym is that a real one because mine was (laughs) i think this might be or this is yowie do i (laughs) dare do i dare find out I just clicked. What will happen? Tune in next episode. (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Check us out on on Twitter at New Type Flash Pod. All of our our, uh, handles are in there. You can follow us there. Uh, Give us feedback on Twitter, on the Reddit thread. Uh, Until then, we will check you next time. Thanks. In broadcast. In broadcast.